0: Host, Mary, welcome back to Prologues. This is the 10th episode, you guys, and this feels like a big milestone to me. I don't know why. And I have changed my mind on what I wanted this episode to be about like 10 times in the past day. And I eventually landed on today's topic because it just has been on my mind in my personal life lately. But the 10th episode feels like a special one to me. So if you've been here since the beginning, I'm so happy and so grateful that you have been, and if you're just tuning in, you're lucky because I feel like I'm starting to get into the swing of things now, and so you missed the the awkward first few episodes where I was figuring out how my microphone worked. Anyway, hi guys, welcome back. So the last two episodes were pre-recorded because I was out of town for 10 days. So this is the first time in two weeks that I'm sitting down to record this week's episode and it feels nice. I feel like it's way easier to give you guys up-to-date life updates and book favorites and everything like that when I'm filming more in the moment. So that's a helpful lesson to learn. But here we are. I'm recording this at 9 o'clock at night, so if I sound really tired, I am pretty tired. I know that's not crazy late, but for me it feels late. I love to be in bed for a long time before I actually fall asleep. Like, first of all, my bed is my favorite place to be in this entire world. Like, I've always been a bed girl, and I just feel like I have the most comfortable, most cozy bed out of anyone ever. I'm so in love with my bed. I think about it every time I'm away from home. I think about how much I can't wait to get back to my specific bed. Not just because it's someplace that's familiar to me and feels safe to me, but because I truly feel like my bed is the best in the world. So I like to be in bed for a long time before I fall asleep because it's my favorite place to relax. And after I record this, I'm getting straight in bed because tomorrow Matt and I are flying to Florida. We're going to Boca Raton. And actually, by the time you're hearing this, I will be in Florida. And I'm excited. I think I've said this before, but Matt and I's wedding was in the middle of the rugby season, so he actually had to leave to go to Dallas for the last half of the season 36 hours after our wedding. he Our wedding was on a Saturday, and he had to fly at, like, 5 a.m. on Monday. And we've been long-distance ever since then. A big life update is that Matt is actually back home now. He moved back last Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, Wednesday. So it's been just over a week it simultaneously feels so natural and yet so crazy to have him back because I put a lot of effort into being fine living on my own I mean it was something I really wasn't looking forward to I did an entire episode on how I was coping with it and how I was making the most of it so I'm so happy to have him back but at the same time any change in routine takes a while for me to adjust to so now I'm adjusting to that but I am honestly just so glad he's here just the fact that We don't have to rely on texting each other to talk about our days and we're in the same time zone. I know Dallas is only an hour behind, but when you have different work schedules, sometimes that hour really makes or breaks whether or not you're able to have a conversation. So having him back has been amazing, but we have been long distance from our wedding up until like a week ago. So this is going to be our chance to have some quality time, some romantic time. It's not a honeymoon. We were thinking about that. We were like, is this our honeymoon? And we decided that it's not for a couple reasons. One, I do want to have a beachy honeymoon. I want to like lay on some white sand and not have a single thought. No thoughts behind my eyes for a long time. And that's what I envisioned my honeymoon to be. Or I envision it to be somewhere in, like, southern Europe on the Mediterranean eating fresh olives and drinking red wine and walking on, I don't know, cobblestones. That's another great vibe that I would love for a honeymoon. But what we decided on was that we would like to wait to have a real honeymoon because we'd really like to make it so special and so unique and maybe a bit long, maybe two weeks or something. This is not a honeymoon, but because it is our first chance to really have romantic time or quality time together as a couple since literally before our wedding, we're going to call it like our mini-moon. It's five days in Florida. We're going to rot on the beach together. I have agreed to go golfing with him. Oh my God, you guys, Matt has been trying to get me to go golfing with him for years. He loves golf and I've I've never gone with him before. But I've been practicing at Top Golf and at this place called Rudy's in Alexandria, which is kind of like a Top Golf. And the kicker is that I have bought two cute outfits. Two cute outfits. So I feel motivated now and I'm feeling generous and I'm feeling altruistic. And he just had his birthday, so I'm feeling in the mood to do something nice. And I have agreed to go golfing with him when we're down in Florida, which he's so excited about. So we are going to do that. And then we would like to go snorkeling. And we would like to have some really killer food. But other than that, we're just going to be laying on the beach and we are going to be there for the 4th of July. And it's a mini moon. We don't think we're going to have our real honeymoon, honestly, maybe not for a year or two. And I don't know if that sounds crazy to say we're going to have our honeymoon two years after our wedding, but I think it's kind of fun. It kind of gives you something to look forward to. Maybe we could even have it around our anniversary in a year or two. I'm not sure. And in the meantime, we're having this mini-moon, and I'm really, really excited. I'm going to do some content favorites. We need to come up with a better name for this segment than me just saying content favorites. I feel like because I'm not just talking about books, we can't really call it a book club. Hmm. Weekly favorites, maybe? Then I could expand to other things. Ah, We will call it weekly favorites this week. And then maybe I can come up with a better name for it when my brain is not literally falling asleep on me. So I've read two books. I read both of these while I was in Texas. So the first one is called Woman, Captain, Rebel, The Extraordinary True Story of a Daring Icelandic Sea Captain, and it's by Margaret Wilson. I go back and forth on nonfiction. I think I've said that before. This is a nonfiction book, but it, it was written in like a fictiony way. It's It's nonfiction. But the way it was written was just so compelling, and there's such a beautiful narrative. And I just, I loved it. It's about this uh, woman, this, like, real-life female sea captain in Iceland in the late 1700s and early 1800s, and she was unconventional and very smart and determined and strong and an advocate for herself and for others and stubborn, and she stood up for herself, and she had a lot of audacity and power and she according to this book was really remarkable and I just loved it I honestly couldn't put it down and that's unusual for me with a nonfiction book her life was really well documented in other people's letters and in her own letters and so you get a pretty good understanding of her entire life you also learn a lot about Iceland in the 19th century and I didn't know a ton about Icelandic customs or Icelandic history and so I found that really interesting as well Obviously, the book itself is about a woman doing something sort of reserved for men and defying societal expectations and being controversial and being brave. But then it's also about trade and about sea fishing and about just Icelandic history. And I found both elements super compelling. Honestly, I loved it. I was so emotional at the end. I was so, I felt like I was rooting for her, even though this woman has been dead for 200 years. I just, I was rooting for her the whole time. I just believed in her so much, and I loved the author's writing style, and it was so inspirational, and it's crazy because I have nothing in common with a woman born in 1777 in Iceland who lived her entire life working in agriculture and being a fishing sea captain. Our lives don't have that many overlaps, and yet her story has this universal element, I think, to any woman who wants to do something different and stands in the face of adversity. And I just found it so inspirational. So I love this book. It made me more interested in reading biographies because I don't think I've read a biography in a really long time, but this was a fantastic one. So I would really recommend. My second book is switching themes completely. This is a novel, it's by Grady Hendrix and it's called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. I fully only bought this book because I liked the cover. The cover has all of these peaches on it and then one of the peaches has these vampire bite marks and little cartoon drips of blood coming out of it. And I just, I saw the cover and I was like, ooh, and then the title's kind of quirky and I was like, ooh, okay. And I just got it. I got it while I was in Texas as just a fun little read. And I really liked it. I've never read anything by Grady Hendrix before. This was my first one. I put this book on my Snapchat, and I got mixed reviews on the author. A couple people said it's not as evident in this particular novel, but in some of his other novels, the way he writes women is just not it. I have to be honest, I've never read anything by this author except the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, and I didn't pick up a ton of that in this particular novel, but people did say that this one wasn't as bad as some other ones. So, I don't know, but I read the book, so I wanted to tell you about it. So this one takes place in the 90s in the South, and it's about a mid-40s mom of two. She's in an unhappy marriage, and she's in this book club. I don't want to tell you too much because I don't want to spoil anything, but this is how I described it to Matt. Do you know how Stranger Things has that, like, small town in the 80s and something's amiss, something's afoot? type of vibe to it, and there's kind of this juxtaposition between quote-unquote traditional wholesome American life and then the, uh, like a creepy supernatural element. This book has the same vibe. It's nothing like Stranger Things in terms of the plot, but in terms of the overall vibe, I feel like it's similar. This is taking place in like a small southern town in the 90s, early 90s, and it's about a, a mom, as I'm sure you can tell by the title. There's a supernatural element. There's vampires. There's a vampire in town. And this mom is in this book club with a bunch of other women. And they read true crime and supernatural stories. And things happen. People get involved in stuff they shouldn't get involved in. And it's up to the moms. And then also, she has a tough relationship with her kids. She has a teenage daughter and then a younger son. And the son has really eccentric interests. And the daughter is just a teenage girl and so i feel like teenage girls and their mothers 98 percent of my following is women here so i'm sure most of us understand like the teenage daughter mother thing then she's also in this marriage with a husband who doesn't see her doesn't appreciate her doesn't really believe her or think she's smart or her opinions are important and a lot of the other wives and moms in this book are in similar marriages so I wouldn't say the book has any re like, it's not terribly deep, but there are those elements to it. There are those little family moments, the the gender roles and societal expectations that do add a little bit of weight to the story. I would give it a solid three out of five. I read it almost entirely by the pool. If you've been following me for a while, you know, like, I think poolside books and beachside books are their own specific genre of books. And it's a book that, like, You probably wouldn't read in any other setting except when you're sitting by the the pool or at the beach. And that's good. I mean, you need those books. I think they're wonderful. They have such a good place and time. And I think that's what this is. So three out of five. Yeah, I read it really quickly. I really enjoyed it. So tonight I want to talk to you about growing up, me growing up specifically, I guess, because this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately, something I've been journaling about, talking to my therapist about, and something that I know a lot of my friends are feeling too. So growing up and moving on and changing and feeling yourself transition from late adolescence and your early 20s into like this very real and almost tangible change you feel in yourself or at least I felt in myself as I've hit my mid-20s. I am 24 years old. I'm turning 25 in late July and all of my friends are the same age as me. Matt is 27 but all of my friends are my age and I feel like I got really lucky when I graduated college. I graduated in 2019, and I got this position as a writer and editor for the Department of Defense, but I needed a security clearance. So while I was waiting for that clearance, I stayed in my college town because I was working in a bookstore. And it was just convenient. I was already living there. I didn't have to move. And then when I eventually got that security clearance, which was in the following winter, I ended up working at this base that was about a 35-minute drive away from my college town. I was working on the Dahlgren base, if you're familiar with the King George area, and it was like a half-hour commute, and I graduated a year early, so most of my friends were entering their senior year, or they were actually halfway through their senior year by the time I started working this job, and so it was just convenient to stay in my college town. I had friends there. I started renting a house with a friend of mine. We lived together. I was able to do my commute, and I still had friends all around me. Unfortunately, 99% of my friends were 2020 graduates, and so their senior year was cut short. And for a time, we were more separated. I think I've said this before, but, like, during 2020, pretty much the only people I saw were my roommate and Matthew. And that was pretty much it, except for those, like, Zoom happy hours and stuff like that. My, um, my 22nd birthday... We had a zoom happy hour with a bunch of friends and it was honestly such a good time but that year of craziness aside i stayed close with my friends close i mean both in terms of our relationships but then also in terms of geography i was close by after i graduated and then matt and i moved up to arlington in the spring of 2021 and slowly most of my friends moved up here too which is really common i went to college in sort of mid virginia And most people either went to the D.C. area or went to Richmond after they graduated. I mean, I would say probably 70% of my graduating class ended up either in Richmond or in Nova. And so all of my friends just ended up here. Um, My best friend moved up here in 2021 because she started grad school at GW. She actually just graduated, which was the inspiration behind the post-grad spiral episode. Another one of my great friends got a job up here, and she moved up here only a month after Matt and I did, and then another one of my friends was actually from here, and so she moved back home with her parents during COVID, and then she moved into a house with other friends once 2021 hit, and just one by one, most of my really close friends just ended up here. Not everyone, of course. I have some friends in Richmond. I have some friends in Virginia Beach, and there's obviously one or two who live in different states or even, like, one in a different country, but... Most of my friends ended up being within 10 miles of me. And I think at the time, I didn't realize how lucky that was, how lucky I was. I mean, I get asked pretty frequently just because of my platform how I've made friends or tips for making friends in your 20s. And I honestly, I I never really know what to say because the truth is I haven't had to. I had built-in friends when I came up here And I haven't really needed to make friends from scratch in a brand new city, if that makes sense. And in a way, I feel like the last couple of years have been a stepping stone away from college. So this past spring, it was four years since I graduated college. 2019 was a weird one because I was waiting for that security clearance. And then 2020 was like, obviously just doesn't count. Like that year doesn't count for literally anything. (laughs) So... 2019 and then skipping 2020 going straight into 2021 those were years where I was really getting on my feet after school and then 2022 last year towards the last half of it I felt something shift in myself and it's been really really strong ever since 2023 started. I feel like the last four years for me have been a transitional time well not really transitional they've just been sort of in limbo. It's like more adult than being in college, but you still feel so young. And I was still spending so much time with the same friend group and the world was so insane for just two straight years. And I felt like it was a gradual transition out of adolescence, out of my teenage years, out of college, out of that phase and sort of into adulthood. And even now it's crazy to sit here and say like, I'm an adult, but the truth is I've been an adult for years. I mean, I have been paying my own bills. I've been fully financially independent since I was 20 years old, and all of those things are 100% true, and yet it still feels weird to sit here and say like, yeah, I am an adult, or at least it has felt like that. I definitely started changing a lot immediately after I graduated, mostly in terms of my social battery and my social life, although that was in large part facilitated by COVID. I was fairly extroverted, I would say. I was introverted as a teen, and then I had a couple extroverted years up until about mid-2020, and then COVID just drained my social capacity so much. In some ways, I really don't like that. I have so much social anxiety now, and I wish I didn't have that. And then in some ways, it is good for me. I mean, in late 2019, I was drinking so much, I was partying so much, getting so drunk like three or four nights a week and going out and none of that was good for me. It wasn't good for me physically or mentally and so I'm not mad (laughs) that I gave that up pretty quick. Although I, I have to be honest, I wish I didn't have so much social anxiety and I wish I felt more comfortable around people I don't know and things like that. So that's one change that happened pretty early on after college. But a couple other changes in my life came on more gradually, and I'm really noticing them now. I just feel my frontal lobe developing. I swear to God, like, I literally feel myself changing and morphing into like the 2.0 version of myself, or maybe I don't even, we're on like 5.0 version at this point. But I feel myself entering this next chapter, and it's so palpable. It's so unmistakable and it's crazy in my early 20s i spent a lot of time running away from every single thing that reminded me of my childhood from the time i left my hometown and went away to college at 18 i officially moved out at 19 and then i would say up until about mid 2022 maybe summer of last year i wanted nothing to do with anything that reminded me of my childhood because i had so much pain and so many wounds I, I still haven't made that religious trauma episode. I'm honestly putting it off because it's gonna be a really, really difficult episode for me to record. and I'm putting it off because I just don't I just don't feel ready to record it. But I have spoken to you guys many times about that part of my background. I feel like when you're young and you grow up in a small town, you either never leave or you want nothing more in your entire life than to leave. And I knew both types growing up, and I I grew up into the, like, wants nothing more than to leave type. When I left home and moved away to school when I was 18, and then especially at 19, when it was kind of official, I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to think about Gloucester. I didn't want to listen to music that reminded me of Gloucester. I didn't want to eat foods that reminded me of my childhood. I didn't want to hear, I didn't want to address my wounds. I didn't want to work on myself. I didn't want to unpack my trauma or heal or grow from it. I just wanted to suppress everything and like pretend that I didn't have those parts of my past. Like those things didn't shape me. I wanted a fresh start when I left my hometown and I got one and everyone deserves a fresh start. And I'm, I'm really glad I had it. But underneath the surface, as I was building new relationships and I was figuring out who I could be, who I could allow myself to be free from the shackles of toxic high-control religion, free from the expectations of people in my hometown, and just free from everything, I could kind of decide who I wanted to be, and I wanted to be different. I really wanted to be different. The first couple years after I left my hometown were amazing. I mean, I I learned so much. My worldview had been really limited because of the environment that I grew up in. It was so limited. And when I moved away, I i got to be exposed to so many different things that I learned so many lessons and met so many different types of people from all over the world with different religious backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and different worldviews and different opinions and perspectives. I felt like my hometown was such an echo chamber and getting out of it was kind of shocking, but it was good. And I just felt like a sponge that was ready to soak up everything this great, big, wide, beautiful world had to offer me. And I did that and I'm glad, but I also suppressed things from my past so hard. I wouldn't even allow myself to address or nurture that inner child that still needed help. I didn't allow myself to look inward at all and recognize the wounds that were still there and that would always be there if I didn't do something about it and I did that for years honestly I did that like I said sort of until last summer and then last summer some things shifted inside of me and I don't really know what started this shift I really don't I don't know if it was just getting older getting a little bit more perspective, going through a really tough year mentally. uh, 2022 was one of the toughest years for my mental health that I've had ever. I don't really know what facilitated this transition, but all I know is I started becoming a little bit more self-aware and and realizing how deeply imperfect I was and how, not in like a self-pitying way or in a negative way, but just you know, being honest with myself, like how imperfect I was, how much I truly needed to work on within myself, and how much I needed to heal from. I just started dwelling on that and working it into my journaling. I would think about it on my daily walks. I would think about it late at night when I couldn't sleep. And I just started realizing that I was never, ever going to find true peace and true acceptance of myself in every Way, every facet of myself, every part of my being and my personality and my character and my inner child, everything that makes me who I am, every experience that's shaped me, I was never going to find real acceptance until I took a really honest look at everything, everything that makes me who I am and saw it for what it was and then did something about the things that needed to be worked on. And I found that once I started getting honest with myself. And once I started giving myself space to feel emotions that I had suppressed for years, like, like seven years, I felt how raw I was inside and how much I was truly missing certain things that I wasn't allowing myself to miss for fear of becoming the person I was when I lived in my hometown for fear of of becoming like everyone I knew growing up or for fear of getting sucked back into a I don't know sucked back into an environment that I was running so hard from but I started letting myself miss things and be homesick and I started allowing myself to see all the beautiful things about where I'm from and all of the amazing things about my childhood and the things I'm so thankful for. And I started allowing myself just to see myself. And it was really emotional and hard at first. And then a couple months into that, I would say maybe around November of last year, I realized I really needed to get back in therapy, like really, really badly. And even just recognizing that, I feel was a big step forward for me. This change really solidified itself, I would say, around this past Christmas. I went home for Christmas for 2022. I went home for six days and it was the best six days I've ever spent in my hometown ever in my entire life. All of my siblings were there, my siblings, their kids. I spent time with my grandmothers. I spent time with my aunt and uncle. We did hometown things. You know, I, me and a bunch of my siblings and Matt and my aunt and uncle went to a local brewing company in my home. I mean, local. There's only one. It's the Gloucester Brewing Company. But we went there and like we just got to connect as adults and we had so much fun. And like I was hanging out with my siblings under the same roof. A lot of us were staying at my parents' house for Christmas. We were living under the same roof. I was in nature. I was... Doing things that I grew up doing, things that I had forgotten how much I loved, things that I hadn't allowed myself to remember how much I loved. I was going on these really long walks in the woods every single day, like multiple times a day. I was literally just going and sitting outside and like smelling the ice cold dirt and feeling the wind on my face and looking up at the trees and realizing like it's okay for me to miss this. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I am tearing up right now because I spent so long denying myself the truth of what I like and who I am because I was so hurt by certain things and I I wasn't allowing space for duality. I wasn't allowing space for two things to be true at once for me and those two things that are true at once are the fact that one, things happened to me in my childhood that were not okay, that hurt me and that changed the trajectory of my life and that I'm still healing from And two, there are parts of my childhood that were beautiful, that also shaped who I am and shaped what I love, parts that I'm so thankful for. Learning to hold space for two truths at once is really hard. And it's it's something I talk about with my therapist almost every week at this point, because it's hard to train your mindset, especially I feel like in today's day and age, people are taught to think so black and white and people don't allow space for nuance. But without Without that duality, there, you just can't understand life. Like, there's just no way to move forward or to grow or mature because the thing is, most things in the world are complicated and have layers and require different perspectives. And that's a good thing, it's a beautiful thing. But it takes training to allow your mind to think like that. As you guys know, I started therapy towards the beginning of this year. And that's what really broke the dam for me, I think. I started working with a trauma-informed therapist, and we got really serious about unpacking my religious trauma. And I made breakthroughs in areas I didn't even know I, I needed help in. And I've... Honestly, this therapist has been one of the best things that's ever happened for me. I mean, we don't do a lot with my bipolar disorder or my OCD, but we do a lot with my inner child. And nurturing my inner child has allowed me to just truly... Change, truly grow in ways I didn't even think were possible. And now I feel like I'm living more in my truth than I have for years. I'm finally allowing myself to be so honest about what I want. So, if you've been following me for a while, a lot of this isn't new to you, but I, this is the first time where I've explained it this in depth. But as most of you know, I want to get out of the city so bad. I want a house with some land and a vegetable garden, and I want to live near nature. I would like to live in a forest or or by a forest. If that's not possible, I would like it to be a lake. I want to have pets. I want to have so many pets. I want to have a flower garden. I want to go for daily walks outside in nature. I want to walk outside and be able to smell dirt. I don't want to hear construction noises. I want to feel comfortable driving on small country roads that are not I-95 with six lanes of backed up traffic. And it's not just goals for my future like that. It's things now. Like, I find myself dressing like my mom. <laughs> I literally find myself getting dressed in the morning and thinking to myself, hmm, like, I have literally seen photos of my mom my age in the 80s wearing this outfit. I have been gravitating towards a home decor style that literally looks like it came from my mother's house. It feels so personal and so real and intimate to me because when I was a kid growing up, I loved that. I loved the way my mom dressed. I loved the way my mom decorated the house. But you, that like in-between phase, I, was, I would say like 18 to twenty, early 24, 18 to 23 was the worst of it. I just was bitter. I was resentful and bitter, and I didn't want to have anything to do with anything that reminded me of where I came from and now it's like i can't get enough i honestly can't get enough i am so homesick all of the time one because i miss my parents and i want to visit my grandma and i obviously want to spend time with my siblings and everything but two i miss being able to walk outside and there's no air pollution and i can hear the birds and i'm just not a city girl and it took me years to realize that because Growing up in a small town, like all I wanted to do was get out. I resented the fact that you had to drive 30 minutes to go to Walmart and you had to drive an hour to go to Target. And like my my friend in high school lived 40 minutes away and I had to drive 40 minutes to go see her and there was nothing to do and the only things anybody did on a Friday night were go like sit in the back of their pickup trucks at the local Walmart or walk around Walmart to see who else was walking around Walmart on a Friday night or just driving around. It was either the Walmart parking lot or it was the Sonic parking lot. And like, that was it. And there are parts of living in a city that I absolutely love. You guys know how much I love where I live right now. I love the walkability. I love that I can walk everywhere I need to go. And I love that my friends are here. And I love that I'm so close to the capital because I've had access to such amazing experiences, like, you know, some of the best museums in the entire country and the sports games, and the restaurants, and the cultural experiences, it's amazing. Like, living in this area has been good to me, and living in a city has perks for sure, but as I've gotten older, I've just felt this deep longing in my heart, and this whisper calling to me, and saying, like, this is fun, and you're having fun doing this for now, and that's absolutely fine, but you know that this is not really who you are deep down. Like, you know you're gonna go back to the country one day. And that's what's going to make you feel like you're home. I'm reaching an age now where it's time to start putting into motion the things that I've been planning and dreaming about for a long time. And 2023 is just the year where it feels like it's all really changing. My mindset is changing. You know, I've made so many breakthroughs with my therapist and I've realized, like I said, the type of environment I know I need to settle down in, um, in my like real adulthood, because it still feels crazy to call myself an adult. But now I know that settling down in a city won't be for me. I need to get back to the country. But even more than that, Matt and I are talking and making actual plans about leaving Arlington, Virginia, which is where I've spent the last couple years of my life. And it's where all of my friends are. And it's time for us to plan and get serious about the fact that we're starting our own life together. Matt and I were married and we're a family now. Like he and we are a family together. And our path, our dreams, our ambitions for our family and our life are going to end up taking us away from this little bubble that we've been living in, like this little stepping stone. We're not fresh out of college anymore. And we're kind of out of the COVID limbo years. And it's just time. And I have this deep feeling inside of me that just knows, yeah, like it's time. The next chapter is starting now. And it's not just me. It's also a lot of my friends. One of my good friends and her boyfriend are moving out of Arlington next, uh, I think it's February. And then Matt and I are speaking about, like, obviously, if he plays another season in Dallas, I'll be moving with him this time. Or if he plays in another team around the country, I'll go with him as well. So either way, it seems pretty likely that we'll end up leaving around January. I do have some friends who are thinking of staying, but it's just kind of clear to all of us that things are, are different. Even when it comes to planning social hangouts, it, everyone is just busier this year than they ever have been before. People have More work obligations and, you know, people are traveling to go to weddings and trying to prioritize spending time with their families and people are either getting into serious relationships, which changes your life, or they're getting out of what they thought were their forever relationships, which also really changes your life. People are making long-term plans and really getting honest about where they see themselves, where they want to see themselves, what their dreams are. It's harder than ever to get my whole friend group together. I mean, like for last year, for example, for my 24th birthday, we rented out this beach house in Ocean City and me and I think it was 10 of us total. So nine of my friends, we all went up to this beach house and we spent a weekend there and it was incredible. And that was my 24th birthday and it was the most fun weekend ever. And now this year I was speaking to a few of my friends last night and we were looking at our calendars trying to think, oh my God, like... Is it even possible to get everyone together in one place at one time? I don't know. And then even just internally, I'm thinking to myself, like, do I even want a 25th birthday party? I feel like I should because it's 25 and that's kind of a big one. It's your mid-20s. It's your quarter, I don't know, like your quarter life crisis age or something. I had this feeling last fall. We had this big Friendsgiving and everyone came in town, like people were driving in from over the state you know, people, everyone's staying at people's apartments up here. And I remember having this feeling as we were all crammed into one of my friends, like small apartments. And we had lawn chairs and people were eating off of pong tables and like on the floor. It was amazing on the balcony. It was so fun. And I remember thinking like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen again. Not because people are gonna stop being friends, although I do think it's kind of inevitable at some point, your friendships with people change. Sometimes you grow distant from people, not because there was a falling out or anyone did anything wrong, but just because life takes you in different directions. So not that it would never happen again because of friendship reasons, but just because are we ever gonna be able to coordinate this many people in one place again? And it turned out we were able to do it one more time, which was the wedding. But I have this such a like distinct memory of being at my reception and dancing with my friends on the dance floor. And this song came on that we used to love in college and, you know, like it was kind of late on in the reception. So people were having a really good, like people were feeling it. People were having a good time. And I remember dancing with my friends at the reception and just thinking like, I don't know if I'm ever in my life going to do this again with this group of people. Like everyone is here together maybe for the last time I hope not like I really 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 hope not but if that wasn't the last time it's probably going to be a long time I don't know how to process that I don't know how to come to terms with that I don't know I don't know what I'm going to do to be honest with you when Matt and I you know when the time is right and our our dreams take us somewhere else I'm gonna have to make friends from scratch uh, without knowing anybody like with no mutual friends i'm gonna have to start over and i'll always be friends with my friend group now and we'll stay connected over facetime and the phone we'll visit each other and all of that but for the first time in several years i'm gonna really need to make friends matt and i talk a lot about our future because we do have really big ambitions for our life together but like I said, we're, we're entering that phase now where things we've been talking about are now becoming things we're actively planning. And it feels like life is moving so fast that if I don't stop and, and be really intentional and really try to process, I'm going to get overwhelmed. Like even this past week, I had to sit down for a minute and be like, whoa, like life is really changing. It's coming at me fast and I know it's good things. These are all good things. You can't stay like 22 forever. You can't stay in your post-college bubble forever. But this really clearly defined shift that I feel in myself as I'm about to turn 25 is something I never expected. I didn't think it would feel like this. It doesn't feel bad necessarily, but I think I'm just blown away at how truly different I feel. I didn't feel different when I turned 21 or 22 or 23 or 24, but 25 for me, I can just tell and my friends can tell too. This is the year where everything is starting to change. I love you guys. I really, 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 really do and I am about to fall asleep this recording this episode took longer than I thought it would because I had to stop for a minute there in the middle and shed a few tears (laughs) but I got it back together but it's a little bit later uh than I thought it was going to be and so I'm like fighting to keep my eyes open and I still haven't even packed today was such a busy day and I had on my to-do list to pack and I didn't so I'm going to get up early tomorrow and pack before our flight wish me luck You guys already know I'm an overpacker. And if I'm tired, I'm going to be afraid that I'm forgetting stuff. So I'm probably going to throw even more stuff I don't need into the suitcase. So pray for me and pray for my, my baggage weight. I hope you guys have the most amazing week, this beautiful first week of July. I hope wherever you are, you have a good week. And I just appreciate you for being here so much. So I love you guys and I will talk to you next week. Bye.